0: Hi, welcome to Content Kettle. This podcast is all about marketing, where we'll be speaking with CEOs and founders of brands across the globe and marketers who roll up their sleeves to get their businesses out there and turn them into a success. With each having taken a different part to grow their business, they have what we call actual actionables on marketing and they're spilling the tea with us, or maybe even having one. I'm Manishika, the founder of Contentsify, a content marketing agency that works with startups to help them establish their presence online. I'll be hosting this podcast with my team to bring you only real marketing tips from those who've done it all. Feel free to reach out to us at any given time if you have more questions or would like to learn more about a specific tactic. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, Rishabh and Humans, Welcome to Content Kettle and thank you for joining us today.
1: Hello, everyone. Uh, hey, Vani. Thanks for having us. Really nice to talk about e-commerce. Hi, uh, Vani.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: So we've recently started to invite e-commerce experts to the podcast to share their insights on commonly asked questions, because sometimes it takes more than reading a few articles to actually understand the importance of having different growth strategies. So today we have Rishab and Heman, the co-founders of Apicon, with us. Guys, would you like to tell us a little about what Apicon does?
1: Uh Epicon is basically uh we are an e-commerce app development company and we build apps which basically help a merchant to grow their sales. Currently we have two apps on the App Store. The first one is Back in Stock App, which helps you um, as a merchant to notify your customers. We have different channels you can notify through. For example, email, SMS, Facebook Messenger, and push notification. So whenever a product comes back in stock, we would basically notify your customers. The second app is a pre-order app. This app actually allows your customers to buy the products in advance. So even if your product is not in stock, you can set up your products to sell on pre-order.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, also, as of now, we just have two apps. But at one point of time, uh, we had discounted pricing too. Again, the idea was to help merchants increase their average order value by providing volume discount to their customers and uh, yeah
0: correct it. so technically you built solutions that help in a way capture purchase intent or enable a store to tap into the consumer psychology to increase sales is that is that the case
2: to be honest like when we started back in stock which was our first app the idea was just to help merchant win some lost sales because what happens is if you have a customer and if a product is out of stock customer has two options. Either he would go to the alternate store, your competitor store, and, you know, buy that product. Or they might even forget about that product, you know, buying that product. In both cases, you are losing sales. Like as a merchant, you are losing sales. So the idea was that if we provide some sort of a widget on the out-of-stock page, where customers can basically enter their contact info, it can be via SMS, email, messenger, or push, you know, they would be notified. And it's more like from the mentality of like, customer would be assured that they would be notified and they won't go to your competitor store to buy that product. Also, in case they forget, you know, they would be notified and they would come back to your store to buy the product. Capturing in time was just a byproduct it. Like once we had this product ready, initially merchants were more like that. Hey, we also realized and merchants also realized that we are providing them this analytics of how many customers are basically clearing their contact info for those out-of-stock products. And gradually we improved upon our analytics and now it's very detailed view now, like where you can actually find out which customer actually came back to your store after reading the email and bought a product. Mm
0: -hmm. That's interesting. And uh, the other app pre-order, which you mentioned, that essentially does something similar?
2: Yeah. So for pre-order, the uh, again, this idea came from merchants only. When we launched Back in Stock, there were quite a few merchants who were coming to us and asking us if we can support a pre-order functionality too. Back in Stock does support pre-order functionality. What it does is like, if you already have a pre-order product, we can you know provide widget on pre-order products too. But what they were asking us to do was like, can we actually uh, convert their out-of-stock product into a pre-order product? Back then, we didn't have that functionality. And since we were getting so many merchants asking us, like, can you provide pre-order functionality? We thought we'll release an app where, you know, we would convert merchants' out-of-stock products into pre-order products. Because the idea is that if merchant already knows that they can get an inventory for a product, it makes sense for them to convert those out-of-stock into pre-order products and continue getting sales out of those products.
0: Understood. So I have a question of sorts. Since there are a lot of uh, brands that are going online, a lot of people are starting their online store right now. At what instances do you typically think that having a strategy like pre-order really helps merchants? If you could give us maybe a few
2: examples. If you are starting out, let, let's say, as a as a merchant, and you you want to just capture the demand of the product, and uh, you're not very sure of... You're, you're sure of that you would get the inventory, but you don't want to basically order the inventory beforehand. Then, you know, you can... It, it makes sense to basically have your items on pre-order where merchants where customers would come, place an order for your product, and you would actually have an idea about like how much inventory you're supposed to order for that product. So that's a very good way of capturing sales, but without actually having an inventory. More like drop shipping. And second would be, if you have sort of already established store, and you are seeing that a lot of your products are going out of stock every now and then, and you would be obviously losing sale. Now you have two options. If you're not very sure of inventory, whether you would get an inventory for it or or not, probably you should have a BIS widget where, you know, because you're not sure about the inventory, you don't want to put a pre-order button, let customers buy and later not fulfill that order. Instead of that, you should have BIS widget. But if you're very sure that you would get an inventory, again, I would highly recommend having a pre-order button so that uh, your customers can continue buying that product, and you can later on get the inventory and fulfill those orders. Another use case I,
1: I would like, like to talk about is if you're setting up your store, uh, you you have like a brand new store, and you're trying to sell a product on crowdfunding basis, right? So you want to get the, you want to raise the funding first, and then you would like to like use that funding or use those orders to uh, manufacture your product and then start fulfilling that. So that's another use case that we have seen a lot of our merch, uh, our customers, they use the pre-order functionality for.
0: That's actually a very interesting uh, use case. Which kind of industries do you typically see using the pre-order app in this kind of a manner? Is there a specific industry like fashion and apparel or is something else maybe because even yeah. Neyman mentioned dropshipping, for
1: instance? Yeah, I think pre-order can be pretty much used for any industry. The good thing is it's not an industry specific functionality, but that being said, most of the customers that we have seen are from fashion and apparel. We've also seen uh, like accessories, you know, brands. So these are the most popular ones. But again, if you're running like a hardware shop, right? So
2: you can still use the pre-order functionality for that. And we, all of us are aware of like, you know, Apple and Tesla also do basically use this strategy where, you know, they have their products on pre order. Apple has it, Tesla always before releasing the actual car, they have it on pre order where they, so it's used pretty much like even by big brands. It can be used by, you know, any industry, like a shop from any industry.
0: Got it. So from what I understand, pre-order or capturing the intent on out-of-stock products essentially means capturing shoppers who are more likely to buy. But I have a question in this scenario. We have a lot of options. Like you rightly mentioned that if I don't find a product or if I feel that, hey, you guys are on pre-order, I can maybe find the product on some other store. I might go to that store. But just to be secure, I might also subscribe to let's say the restock alerts. So how many of these shoppers who subscribe for these alerts essentially come back? Is there like a typical average that you've seen?
2: So the conversion rate for BIS is really good. It's about 20%. And it's actually really good, keeping in mind that merchants were essentially losing sales without this widget. Second is that along with this conversion rate, what we are not able to capture, but customer would end up doing is like, let's say if a customer is coming back to the store via email, they might buy another product along with this out of stock product. And that's actually an additional sale for you, which again, we are not able to capture it, but that would happen. So that's a very good conversion rate for for an app that's essentially very cost effective.
0: All right. So uh, you mentioned that even Apple and Tesla kind of use similar strategies when they're launching a product, right? But let's say that when the new iPhone came up, right, and we showed our intent on purchasing it, there are things like retargeting ads also that, you know, kind of remind us that, hey, there's just a few days to the launch or you can buy the iPhone now. So is there like a difference between the two strategies? Which one do you think is like more effective at getting customers back to your store?
1: So I think both of those strategies are good and they have their own place. The good thing is like the back-in-stock strategy, it can be actually combined with the retargeting ads. So let's say you have that uh, back-in-stock widget on your store. And if someone is interested and they fill out that uh, back-in-stock form, right, notify an available form, you can actually target those customers. On Facebook or Instagram, and you can actually retarget ads to specifically to those customers. This now this enables you to basically reduce your cost ads cost and you're like targeting those specific customers. So I, I think both of the strategies they they should go hand in hand, and if you set it up correctly, I, I think you can see a very good conversion.
2: And I would also like to say, and this is something we thought about, like when we started back in stock, see the essential difference between retargeting and back in stock is I would like to give an example of physical uh, store. You go to a physical store and you do not have, let's say a a merchant doesn't have a product. If somehow he's able to assure you that it's going to come tomorrow or day after tomorrow you probably would come back to that store day after tomorrow and buy that product instead of going to an alternate store and buying that product. If, obviously, if, it's, if there is a friction, what I'm trying to say is like, if the location of the first store is closer to you, if you already have trust this store, then you would want to come back to this store because you already have a relationship. The problem with retargeting ad is like, if you have a product out of stock, you haven't given assurance to you, your customer that it's going to come back and like we will notify you when it's back in stock they would jump to another store because they have no idea when it's going to come back. They have no sort of, you haven't communicated to them that they would be notified. And that's where the difference lies. And that's why we see the conversion rate of this 20%. And, uh, you know, that people, uh, uh, our reviews uh, tells us that. that That's the difference, essentially, between retargeting and back-in-stock widget.
0: Interesting. So I was reading through both the apps and uh, I noticed that you enable signing up via like multiple channels. And of course, this this whole thing around how you should be communicating with customers across multiple touch points. So there's SMS, Messenger, email, web push. But out of curiosity, which of these see more takers? Like which ones are most used by online shoppers these days to actually subscribe for something?
2: To be honest, even uh, like when we started, email was our only channel that we were supporting. And obviously with time, as merchants requested for other channels, so, you know, we supported SMS, Messenger, as well as push notification. And probably we are the only app uh, out there that's supporting all these channels. But even right now, email seems to be the most popular. And I think it's essentially maybe because customers uh, prefer to get notification via email. Having said that, we still send out a lot of SMS notification. I, actually, yesterday only I checked and we sent out about 200,000 SMS notification just in a month. So that's not a bad number.
0: Got it. And do you see online shop is like subscribing via two channels? For instance, if I'm interested in a product, what are the odds that I would subscribe via email and SMS? I'm asking because SMS marketing and messenger marketing, again, are two channels which have really, really grown over the last couple of months.
2: Agree. Like we have few customers who want to, you know, basically be notified by multiple channels and we do support it. And you're right about this part too, that, you know, SMS and messenger marketing, it's been quite popular these days. However, those instances are very rare where customers are subscribing via multiple channels. In our experience, email still seems to be popular. Although I do understand where you're coming from. Uh, SMS or messenger is feels less spammy and all. But the fact is, as of now, we are sending a lot more email notifications than SMS, Messenger, and uh, web push notifications.
0: Got it. So it's more, it's more like, you know, if it's high context and high intent, then it's not really considered as a spam by the consumer. But then again, there is one more question that stems from it of sorts. It's like, how many times do you send out a notification? Like there are times when I have subscribed for a restock alert. Like I tend to do that on stuff which is available on Amazon, for instance. But I get notified a couple of times for it. Similarly, if I'm interested in pre-ordering something, I've seen that there are certain stores that just have... In not exactly a pre-order button, but then they are like, if you're interested in pre-ordering, we would be opening pre-orders from so-and-so date, right? In that case, how many times do you really recommend that a merchant should be sending out these notifications? Is there something like a best practice or something that you would say?
2: That's a very good question. So by default, uh, you know, we just send out a notification to customer just one one time. And uh, like once if you install our app, will send out as a merchant whenever your products are back in stock, you know, we just send out emails uh, to your customer just one time. However, we do have uh, basically functionality in our app where, you know, you can configure how many times you want your merchant, uh, customers to be notified, what should be the delivery rate. Like, let's say, you know, if you notify a customer today, we want to notify them five days later and so on. Based on our experience, again, a lot of merchants are not using that functionality. They just basically want to notify just once and it seems to be working. The functionality is there and it's used by only very few merchants where, you know, they like to basically customize the rate at which we are sending emails and uh, how many times a notification is sent. But in my personal experience, about 80 to 90% of our merchants are just basically sticking to sending email just once. Uh, Rishabh, do you want to... Action. Yeah, and I, I think are talking about like
1: spamming, right? So the the main idea of using the back in stock functionality is not to spam your customers, right? So let's say if I'm not using a back in stock functionality on my store, then. The only option for me as a store owner is to basically notify all my customers that, hey, we got this product in stock. Now, the, the customers who are not interested, they would feel spammy. But now, if you're using the back-in-stock functionality, you're only notifying to the users or customers who actually signed up for those notifications. So I think this is actually a, a channel or a way to avoid those spam emails. And obviously, if a customer feels like a spam, they, they can always like unsubscribe to those emails and they won't get those emails again.
0: Got it. So, so that people who are listening to the podcast, what's a brand, maybe a couple of brands that are using these strategies on their store that these guys can probably check out?
2: One of the brand, a uh, very popular brand that's using back in stock is Beyond Beat. Uh, sure we have a, another one. Yeah, we have one um, very popular brand uh,
1: in India. Uh, it's called Headphone Zone. So they're also doing pretty good. And both of these customers, they they're already big brands. But I recently saw their stats, and uh, I'm not gonna like reveal those stats. But they they have done uh, seven figures uh, in sales just from the app right so uh, i think that's a, that's a big uh, big win for both our app and for the brands
0: Wow that that's actually a lot of sales. I want to know a lot of our listeners are like I mean you've kind of partly answered this question before, but a lot of our listeners are just starting out their business and you know we're trying to uh, kind of discuss e-commerce marketing strategies that kind of help them secure some sales. So how do you think two apps of yours or maybe one of them you know fuels their growth, considering that some of them have to be launched products, some of them, i'm sure you have seen a lot of them are selling homemade products right so which means that it might take them a week to make in that case upfront i can obviously assume that they can use pre orders for it but in general you know how how does it really help them fuel their growth
2: i would go back to like uh, what i briefly mentioned earlier like uh, if you are very sure of that uh, as a merchant that you would get an inventory for this product you should stick to pre order because over there you are basically letting customers, you know, place an order. You are generating revenue and you can actually use that revenue to, you know, sort of get the inventory. However, let's say if you are a store, let maybe a drop shipping store or, or or any other kind of store where you're not sure of if you can get the inventory based on the demand, then it makes sense to have a back-in-stock widget. Because over there, you would be capturing the intent of the product, which again, you mentioned, Vani, like, so that you, you get the idea like how how popular is this product? How hot is that product? And based on that, you know, you decide how much inventory you want to basically basically order for that product. So that, that would be the basic rule while deciding whether to go with pre-order or back-in-stock. By the way, you can combine both two. Like, uh, you can have back-in-stock, you can have a a pre-order button, but right below it, you can have a back-in-stock widget where you also want to notify your users when product actually comes back in stock, saying that, hey, uh, product is back in stock and we would fulfill your order as soon as we can. So you can combine the both approaches too.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. And I I think um, pre-order is... is basically when you you want to generate revenue. Uh, you know, just to add to Heyman's point. And back in stock is only like when you want to notify your customers. One example that I'd like to give is I, I was actually thinking about opening a a new store for my wife, right? So how do you how do you actually how do you actually know what the users want or what the customers want, like which product they're interested in. So one strategy that I, I think that you know other people can use as well as uh, you can actually just put some products on your shopify store and you can set all of your products for uh, back in stock uh, notifications and as you generate traffic on your store you see like for which products customers are like more interested, right? So you can, you can actually use the app to gauge the demand and which products are like the most popular product. And based on that, then you can make your decision. Okay. I want to order like this product. I want to get inventory for this product.
0: That's an interesting way of, you know, kind of gauging market demand before actually putting out the products out there, like, you know, for the consumers.
2: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a very good way to sort of uh, get the demand for your product and, especially back in stock widget like if you're starting out it's a great way to figure out if you have let's say multiple products if you have 10 products to figure out the demand for each product and then decide on your inventory accordingly
0: good so since both of you were like kind of mentioned and because Rishabh said that his wife does have an online store so i'm going to assume you have worked with a number of uh, brands across the globe
1: have an online store she she was about to open it's not there yet
0: Ah, I will look forward to it then so that we can bring her onto the podcast as well for a session. Maybe. (laughs) I wanted to ask you guys that, you know, if let's say I'm starting out a business online, what are the five tips that you would give to me apart from, of course, two strategies that we have discussed in the episode? What are the other five tips that you would give?
2: So I think I briefly mentioned we had a discounted pricing app at one point of time and uh, mm-hmm. it was quite popular as well. And uh, it actually helps you to increase average order value. So that would definitely be one app I would recommend. There are quite a few good apps out there which basically does that. What I mean is by discounted pricing app is basically volume discounting. So if someone is on your, let's say on your card page and you want to give them a discount, you want to tell them that if you buy two of this product quantity, we would give you 20% off. So that's basically the, the kind of discounting I'm talking about. So kind of motivating user to buy more of the same, or sometimes even based on the cart amount. Like if, if you cross the $50 mark, shipping would be free. So uh, that was quite popular. So I would highly recommend that to merchant if, if they would like to basically increase their average order value. Other than that, based on, you know, our past one and a half year experience, I can say that your store look and feel is very important. So invest in the sort of graphics, assets of your store to convert it into a brand. And it's it's not really that expensive. There are quite a few good themes also out there that you can just buy and, you know, it would just work out of the box for you. So you can go with that. Uh, second thing I would highly recommend is uh, SEO. Again, for that, I would I would say two things. One, there are quite, there are apps out there that, It would help you you with the SEO, with image optimization, with all tags and with your page tags. But you should also be careful about uh, certain apps which can degrade your overall SEO. So, but keep in mind that SEO is very important. It's the sales funnel thingy. Like if you you cannot get customers to your website, you know, nothing else is going to work. So SEO, I would highly, highly emphasize that, you know, you please sort of um, keep that in mind. Uh, When you download an app, it's always a good, Thing to check if it's degrading your SEO or not. I would also recommend multi-channel. You know, if you are starting out, you want to basically launch your product not just on your store, but you want you want to be where your customers are, and that means you should basically publish your products on Amazon, Walmart, Wayfair, or any other channel, including because you briefly mentioned you know some of your, some of the merchants can might be building homemade products, and uh, it seems to be good for at least for artsy products. So you might want to launch it there too. And so it's always a good strategy to have multi-channel, to be multi-channel where you are selling on multiple platforms. Uh, Rishabh, you want to add a few? Uh, I think, yeah, I'll add a couple of points. Uh, When you're starting up, try to do
1: what you're best at, right? Um, try to learn more things and try to automate the process as much as you can. I think if you're starting up, you you only have like 24 hours in a day and you have to do like so many things. So if you, if you set up like a process or automation, try to automate as many things as you can. That would help you a lot in the long term. Second, uh, there are actually... Uh, A lot of uh, so-called gurus out there in Shopify ecosystem who claim you can uh, make, uh, you know, six figures in two months or three months. Uh, Just don't fall for that. Just do try to learn everything by yourself uh, initially. And once you start growing, try to hire people who can just try to be a a delegator instead of uh, then doing it everything yourself.
2: Yeah, and I would second the automation part. Uh, it's it's very important, and this is coming from our personal experience too. If if you find a service which can help you reduce your workload, go for it. You, you know, Most of these services are cheap, and they can help you. This way, you would actually be able to focus on your product and not worry about the back-end processing part and all. So the last thing you want to do is basically spend time on back-end processing. And what what I mean by that is, let's say, once an order is placed, you want to, if you are basically fulfilling each order yourself, then that defeats the whole purpose. There are a lot of good apps out there that can help you with the automation part of it. So go for that. And another thing which I would highly recommend is having a chat widget on your shop. Uh, This would do two things. First of all, you would actually get, hear from your customers what they are looking for. You would get the intent of your customer very Clearly, and then you can sort of talk to your customer and, you know, customer feedback is always gold. And if your customer is not able to find something, you know, they would report to you. Uh, so all those strategies, especially the customer feedback one, I would highly, because sometimes you may have something going wrong on your site. You would never be aware of it until it's reported. If your customer can report it to you, you it's very easy. It's, it's a great feedback loop, which you can uh, implement on your store where your customer themselves are basically helping you improve your store.
0: Because you mentioned customer feedback, I was try- going to kind of, you know, ask you about the same because I see that your apps actually focus on getting a lot of uh, feedback from the merchants. How much focus should a merchant or a business owner have on customer feedback? Because let's say I buy a product, there are, there are times when we are always cribbing about some aspect of the product or not, right? So there's a high chance that out of 10 customers, probably that three of them who kind of don't like the product. The others sort of like the product. So what is the, that percentage where, you know, a store owner or a business owner should pay heed to such feedback? How, how critical is it for someone's growth? Uh,
2: I, I think it's very critical. The, the growth that we have seen for back in stock or what we are seeing for pre-order is based on the feedback itself. You have to listen to your customers, what they want, like what exactly they want in product, what they are looking for, and have that analytical thinking on top of it, why customer is saying what they are saying. For example, I'll give you an example. If a customer is coming again and again to your chat widget and asking that, hey, I can't find a product, chances are your you know site search is not good and you should improve it because this is another thing that we have learned. Not all customers are going to reach out to you, right? Some of them would just leave the store. So if you're getting that sort of a feedback, let's say out of 21 is giving you this feedback that, hey, I can't find. We have to think about it. Like as as a merchant, you will need to think about like why I got this sort of a feedback, like why someone reached out to me, why it's hard to basically search on my store. Similarly, if someone else is asking for, let's say a discount or something, you can actually come up with a strategy that, hey, can I provide some sort of a banner that would promote uh, about my discount? This, that way, you know, more much more customers would basically buy uh, buy by my store. So it's it's super helpful to have to take that feedback seriously. Again, some some of the times, I, but I do get it where you're coming from. A lot of times, what would happen is like maybe some of your customers don't completely get your product, and then it would be more about educating uh, your you know customer that hey, this is not what we are selling. We are selling you know X Y Z. So, but it's it's super important to take feedback seriously.
0: Okay, so uh, let's say that feedback the feedback loop typically for an online store is getting a review or a rating at max, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, what, that's what we see on most stores, especially on Shopify. Mm-hmm. So what's another strategy to understand? Because with a review or a rating kind of a feature, I tend to only share something about the product right? But it's not about the overall experience. What would you recommend a merchant to, you know, kind of gather feedback on the overall experience, online shopping experience that the store has to offer?
2: So, there are two parts to it. See, uh, the chat widget, what I was referring to, that would help you gather feedback about your store too, because you know based on the kind of complaint they are reporting about, it may not be complaint; it can just be a question. But from that question, you can try to gather, you know, like why exactly customer is asking, what they are asking. That's one part to it. And second, you you have quite a few apps like Lucky Orange is one that allows you to monitor what activity is going on your, on your store. You can actually figure out via those apps like what are the hotspots on your app. On your store, uh, so you know from that you can figure out that okay, customer is taking a lot of time on my checkout page. So, so you know that okay, something is going on. Either they are not happy with the shipping part of the the checkout page, or they are not happy happy with the probably they are looking out for a, a discount option and they are not finding it on the checkout. But you get to find out those things from uh, these apps. Plus Shopify Analytics itself, right? Like, uh, if you are finding out that uh, a, a customer is leaving right after the product page chances are that you need to improve your product page, overall look and feel or information or the pricing. So all these tools are available to you to basically analyze and then improve upon it.
0: Got it. Last question. So if you had a little hack up your sleeve that will help merchants increase their sales, and I know that Rishab did mention that do not pay attention to all these videos that say, hey, you can get six figure sales in less than a week or so. But if there was that one strategy that you guys have seen time and again, really work across all industries, what would those be?
1: The main hack is to you know, just show up to work every day and be consistent, right? Uh, if you, there are a lot of times or days when things don't work out, you just need to keep doing. You know what what you do. Just try to enjoy the process. It's a journey. I think if you cannot enjoy the journey, then you're not going to be uh, find the success. So I, I think uh, that's that's the key key mantra of like any business, right? Not just e-commerce, even if you're an app developer or you're running any business. So that's that's the key thing. Okay.
2: And I would I would second that completely. I would also say, just try to improve every day, one way or the other. Uh, and this could be based on this feedback. And, and that's why, you know, it's very, very important that you set up those sort of feedback loop for yourself. It could be via Shopify Analytics. It could be via... Uh, chat widgets. It could be uh, via any other like app, like uh, like I mentioned earlier, Lucky Orange. But you've got to have that feedback loop and improve regularly. If you do that, I do not see a reason why a store won't be successful.
0: Those are really good tips. Well, that's all I had to ask uh, from the two of you today. Thank you so much for sharing these insights with us. And thank you for joining us today.
2: Thanks for having us,
1: Fani. Thanks, Vani. Thanks for having us. It was uh, really nice to talk to you. Thank you.
0: And that's it for today's episode of Content Kettle. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast for more such tips from the real doers.